0: Welcome as we come to worship this morning, as we gather uh, as a body of believers, as a a group of people gathered, setting time aside to worship um, the God who is alive um, and who is well today. If you're visiting, we bid you a warm welcome, whether that's here in person uh, or indeed online this morning. As we start, uh, we're looking for a little verse um, in the book of Zechariah, towards the end of the Old Testament, chapter 14 uh, and verse 9. It says, The Lord will be king over the whole earth. On that day there will be one Lord, And his name will be the only name. We worship the God who is true and who is faithful today. King of kings and Lord of lords. And so as we do that, we want to lift our voices to him in praise. We want to come before him to hear his word read and proclaimed. And to offer him our intercessions, uh, the things that burden our hearts for ourselves and for those uh, around us. Let's pray as we begin. Father God, we thank you that we have the opportunity to gather today in this place. As we create space to focus on you, that we pray peace and wisdom in all that we do. And so as we gather together, may we not simply gather for the sake of gathering, but we gather to be transformed by you in this moment and by the power of your Holy Spirit. In your name we pray. Amen.
1: And now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace now i know that none of you among whom i have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again therefore i declare to you today that i am innocent of the blood of all men for i have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of god keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the holy spirit has made you overseers Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard." Remember that for three years, I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. This is the word of the Lord.
0: Thanks very much, Lynn. Um, So we are actually in the last of this series of dangerous faith, uh, following on from our harvest um, with open doors and thinking about the the persecuted church, thinking about believers across the world, and using the book of Acts to look at that, um, how those first Christians were persecuted, and how that persecution really hasn't uh, stopped all through um, the centuries, and how that applies um, for us today. So far we've looked at faith as not a logical experience, It's a lived-out experience. Uh, Promises that we keep—we make. We make lots of promises every day, um, but we to make promises that we know that we can keep, uh, not kind of promises that we can't keep. We need to create a create a stir within us, uh, so we won't be quiet about Jesus. And that's what the the early Christians were were uh, challenged um, about—that actually um, they were not being quiet about who Jesus was and their faith in Him. Um, or oh, that the community around us would say the same about us. That we wouldn't be quiet about Jesus. We saw that transformation starts with a simple act of obedience. And to be a Christian is literally to mean that we follow Jesus. And last week we heard that God calls us to do the impossible things by simply doing the possible. That God calls us to do the impossible things by simply doing the possible. In other words, by playing our part. Our little piece of the jigsaw. We do it, we play our part, and God will look after the other parts around us. So before we dive into this today, let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for this opportunity as we conclude this series and as we look at this chapter today. May it be your word and not my word that speaks deep into our hearts and our very beings today, and that we would leave this place changed, transformed, encouraged, challenged by you and for you. In your name we pray. Amen. So Paul, as we've seen through, we're nearly at the end of this book of Acts, but as we've seen, um, we haven't covered it all. Obviously, we've kind of jumped through it uh, over the eight sessions, but uh, we've seen that Paul is now on his missionary journeys. Um, he's traveling around different cities and different churches and um, encouraging them. Now, yeah, sometimes he encourages them and other times he's admonishing them. He's chastising them. He's telling them off because they aren't getting everything quite right. I wonder if the Apostle Paul was to make a journey or a visit to here this morning. What would he say to us? Would it all be encouragement? Or would it be moments of him admonishing us and saying, hold on a wee minute. This part of the faith that you've received, why are you not doing that anymore? Or this part that you've received and you've distorted and you've changed to make it work for you, Why on earth are you doing that? I wonder what he would say to us as a church today. We see verse 22 of this passage says, And now, compelled by the Spirit, I, Paul, am going to go to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. Now remember, this is the Apostle Paul who was Saul, who persecuted the Christians. Um, And so whenever he persecuted the Christians, uh, often um, then, you know, they didn't like him, he didn't like them, And now he's going back to Jerusalem. He's going back to the place that is beginning to be seen as the capital of Christendom, is beginning to seen as where the lots of Christians are living, and um, begin to see where the Roman Empire also is, but actually, he's scared about what that might mean for him. And that's why he says, "I'm making my way to Jerusalem, but I'm not quite sure what's going to happen to me there. I wonder if you ever found yourself in that position. You've planned to go somewhere or to do something, and there's always that little niggling thought at the back of your head I wonder I wonder how they're going to receive me. I wonder what people are going to think about me. I wonder I wonder what's going to happen. I wonder what's going to be said uh, and sometimes those little niggling thoughts or voices in our at the back of our heads in our being those ones are the ones that sometimes We allow to become very, very loud, don't we? Well, I'm speaking for myself. Uh, Here we allow sometimes those voices to drown out all the other voices that are around us, encouraging us, uh, supporting us. And sometimes we focus on those tiny little negative things rather than actually focusing on what is good. But you see, even though Paul wasn't sure what was going to happen to him, verse 23 is key in understanding how and why he could continue to go. It says, I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardship are facing me. However, I consider my life nothing worth nothing to me. In verse 23, he says that the Holy Spirit warns him that prison and hardship are ahead of him. (laughs) You might not see that as an encouraging thing. Um, if I asked you, hands up, if you'd like to see prison or hardship ahead of you this week, I'm sure the show of hands would be quite minimal in terms of who would actually want that. But Paul sees that in a sense as an encouraging thing because he knows that actually his faith is known to the world around him. But more than that, there's a little key part in that verse which says, I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me. Paul is a to to listening to the voice of God today. And that's his encouragement, that he knows he can face the situation that is yet to come. He knows that the Holy Spirit, God with us in this moment, the advocate, the paracletos, the one who remains with us, is the one who will help us and encourage us, support us and strengthen us no matter where we find ourselves. So the unknown, even the known, is a less scary space whenever we know that the presence of God is with us. If We know that God is by our side. And we probably can reflect back into moments, maybe in our lives, where things have been hard and difficult and we have felt the strength that is beyond ourselves, enabling us to get through it. Maybe we know that other people have been praying for us and holding us up. So in other words, we know that people are supporting us, encouraging us, strengthening us by their faith. Whenever my faith seems small, the faith of the community of believers holds me up. The presence of God with us means that even the unknown or the known can become a less scary space to enter into. because Paul says, however I consider my life worth nothing in verse 24, if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given to me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. It's a long winded way of saying Paul's not (laughs) self-serving. He's not in this for selfish ambition. He's not in this for what he can get out of it. He's in it because he believes 100% that God is real and that what he carries within him, the presence of God within him, is so vital to the world around him that he is ready to go. I wonder, do you, do I, preacher included, feel that? Do we feel that the presence of God within us is an opportunity to carry hope, carry light, into the spaces around us. This week, next week, this Christmas season. Remember that little phrase from last week? God enables us to do the impossible by doing the possible, by doing our part, by playing our part. It ushers in God being able to do the impossible. That's what sets Paul apart from other people. Uh, other, actually, other leaders sometimes in the the, the early church uh, as well. Paul wasn't self-serving. We can probably, uh, if I ask you this question, can you picture somebody in your mind's eye in this moment who you know does things for what they can get out of it? I'm not asking you who you're thinking about, all right? Um, but we can we can probably imagine people that we know or um, people in the public domain who often we say, oh wonder why they're doing that. <laughs> there must be something in it for them. But not Paul. Paul's not self-serving in that way. He wants to see the glory of God and the grace of God being shown to the world around him. Verse 25 says, Now I know that none of you among whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Therefore I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of all men. For I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has enabled and made you as overseers, be shepherds of the good of the Church of God, which He brought with His own blood. See, Paul ensures that the message that He's been trusted with is heard with the people that He's entrusted to. Paul ensures that the message that He's been entrusted with is given to the people that He's been entrusted. Now we live in a world, uh, in a culture, of, um, very much so and increasingly I suppose, uh, where we only like to hear the things that we like to hear. We don't like to hear things that we don't like to hear. Uh, we don't like to hear those moments where we may be challenged or sometimes even criticised. And, and that's actually sometimes difficult, the difficulty in church leadership because we live in a world, in a culture where uh, we're, we're encouraged and we're lifted up and, and where it's all about me. But I say sometimes as a church leader, I need to draw alongside you, us, and say, hold on a wee minute. It's not about you. It's about Jesus. Sometimes I need to draw alongside you, us, and sometimes gently maybe sometimes not even gently, sometimes a little bit more than that, and say, hold on wait a minute, I don't think that's beneficial. And increasingly, um, as church leader, not necessarily just here, I'm talking about generally, across the universal church, that's seen as something that's very hard and shouldn't be done anymore. But we all know that if we had an ailment, um, we would go and see a doctor, if we had something else wrong with us, we would attend somebody else, I've been entrusted with the spiritual care of you as the flock in this place. I have a responsibility. And one day, as the Scriptures say in the book of James, I will be held accountable, actually, for how well I have looked after your spiritual being, for how well I have encouraged you and admonished you, for how well I have encouraged and allowed you to put down roots that grow in your faith in this place, and how I have brought you back from straying away under God you've been entrusted to me to keep the faith that's the role that I've been set aside for in this place verse 28 um, says keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the holy spirit has made you the overseer be shepherds of the church of God which he bought with his own blood I need grace like Paul from you to be able to say some of those things. Not because I have a self-serving interest, but rather because of the kingdom values that we want to grow in this place. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's not about us. It is all about him. Paul says in 29, I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you, and I will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Whenever we hear anything, whether that's on a radio, or whether that's on a TV, whether that's from the front or whether indeed actually that's from me, <laughs> um, you need to be able to take it back to the Word of God and say, is it here? And if it's not in here, this is this is our check and balance. This is, this is our foundation. This is our rock. This is what we take things back to. And if I say something on if a Sunday or if a Tuesday night or if any other stage and we don't find it in here, then I need to be challenged on that. So I'm not going astray either. So whenever we hear teaching of the Christian faith from anyone or any place, if we can't find the foundation of that in the pages of the Scriptures, then we're on the verge of erring and straying away from the faith that has been entrusted to us. And that's really important because we have an inheritance to claim. Verse 31 says, so be on your guard. Remember for these, remember that for three years I never stopped warning you, each of you day and night with tears. Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. We have an inheritance to claim. Inheritance is one of those uh, funny things in, in many ways because an inheritance is something that we might know is coming our way. And often by the phrase of an inheritance it means that it's a large deposit of something, whether that's property or money or, or valuable things in some shape or form. But we need to claim that inheritance. We need to actually sign for it on a dotted line somewhere. But God tells us in his word that he's given us an inheritance. It's there for us to take, not just in the future, away down the line somewhere, but in the here and the now. Right here, right now, today, the inheritance of God is available for us. All the fullness of what He has for us right here, right now. But we need to claim it. We need to receive it. Let's make that more specific. You need to claim it. You need to receive it. As do I. And how do we do that? Well, the first step in doing that is because Jesus died on a cross for us. Central behind me, as we walk in the door, often the first thing that a new person who walks in this building will say is a cross. We know that Jesus died on the cross for each one of us, that we might be forgiven of all the things that we've done wrong and receive an inheritance in heaven. But it's not just in the future, it's for the here and the now. Because he also tells us that he wants us to have life and life in all of its fullness. So the first step is receiving Jesus as Savior and then stepping in and receiving and claiming that inheritance and living a life with the presence of God around you. Going back to what we said earlier, the unknown or even the known might seem scary, but it's a lot less scary whenever we know that the presence of God not only goes with us, but has gone before us. Into that space. That would be a faithful witness in this community, wouldn't it? Not afraid of what others think, rather boldly proclaiming the message of hope and salvation for everybody. Creating an attractive community of believers that impacts the streets around us, because, like we said at the beginning, the Holy Spirit is with us. And now we need not dither any longer. Like that we Ulster Scots word in there. Not to dither any longer. Simple definition of dither is whenever you're walking along dragging your heels. You know whenever you're, I don't know, if, you're, if you ever had kids and that child's walking like 16 steps behind you and you're telling them to hurry up and they're like, uh, uh. I remember She's not in the building, she's down below today. Um, But I remember uh, one day Hannah was doing that and she told me she could walk no further. And I said, why? Because my thumbs hurt, Daddy. (laughs) Work that out. But she was dithering along behind me. I wanted to encourage her, push her, (laughs) shout at her, do all those other things to get her to go a little bit further. And that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do with us today. He wants us to dither no longer. To receive his presence and to step into his inheritance. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you that your word is true, is alive, and is active today. And so as your word speaks into this moment, Lord, we we thank you that your Holy Spirit will bring transformation to our life. Help us grow in all that we do and all that we say for you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's pray together as we draw to a close. Father God, we know that you're the God who can do the impossible. The one who can do immeasurably more than all we ask, seek, or would even dare to imagine thee. Glory be to you and in the church through Jesus Christ our Lord. And may the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Rest in each one of us this day and forevermore. Amen. Amen.